Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Let's Clear the Air. I have Dr. Michael Springer with me today. Thank you so much for being here. We heard about you on your Get to Know You segment. We kind of heard about where you went to school, how you got into allergy, but today we're going to dive a little bit deeper and talk about the allergic symptoms. You're going to cover a lot about the allergic march, which we're going to start there. I know I've heard a lot about it, so if you don't mind to tell us what is the allergic march? How is this going to play? Sure. Nice to be here, Kaylee. Um, the allergic march is something that uh, people who have allergies develop different symptoms at different times in their lives. Um, typically, if one parent is allergic, a third of their children will be allergic. And if two parents are allergic, two-thirds of the children will be allergic. And when children have allergies, typically it develops early on with food allergies, um, and eczema. Um, eczema is a rough patch of skin that oftentimes is in the folds of the arms and legs. We call it atopic dermatitis. And so they have these problems with food issues, which may play a role in eczema that we can talk about in a little bit. But what typically happens is they outgrow their food allergies and they outgrow their eczema by the time they're four or five. So there's exceptions to that, like with peanut and shellfish. We can talk about that. But in general, they outgrow these. And as they outgrow those problems, they develop inhalant allergies. So to develop inhalant allergies like nasal, eye, uh, ear, and chest symptoms, um, they typically need exposure to what it is they're allergic to. And it typically takes three, four seasons to have enough exposure to develop those inhalant allergens. So Typically, early on, we have food allergies and eczema. As you grow older, you have more nasal, sinus, eye, and ear, and chest symptoms. And then the, the elderly, the allergy antibody that causes all this typically goes down as you get elderly. And um, so it's very unusual that I see folks who are elderly with new onset symptoms. We, we see a lot of elderly folks, but these are typically people that have had problems throughout their whole life and they either got worse or they finally want to take care of it. Okay, so I know you're talking a lot about these symptoms. When do you get these patients in? Sure. So, so we could kind of go through each of the problems and we can talk about when we would see each of the issues. So um, it used to be for food allergy situation, we wanted people to not eat foods early in their lives, like peanut. We'd wait until they're three to five to eat peanut. And um, what we found is that's totally incorrect. Um, the new data is showing that the earlier they eat it and the more regularly they eat it, the less chance they have developing food allergies to it. So, so we have a lot of people introducing now peanut and, and shellfish and things that we didn't usually introduce until later on earlier in their lives, you know, when people start eating solid foods and such. And so, so uh, the main manifestations of food allergy typically are you can get hives or you can get some vomiting. And people typically recognize that know to stay away from it um, probably becomes important to see an allergist obviously if they have some life-threatening type problems with it they need to have an epinephrine device and certain foods are more dangerous than other foods in the sense that not every reaction is going to be similar to the previous reaction that's the way it is with most foods but with peanut and with peanut tree nuts and shellfish 
sometimes the next reaction may be worse than the previous reaction. So all those folks need to have epinephrine devices. And so it's important to have those folks come in, confirm their allergy, and get them an epinephrine device. As far as eczema, what we found is that these people who have atopic dermatitis or eczema um, that's found in that age group, typically these are patches of um, roughened red skin that responds to steroid creams. And about a third of these folks who have eczema, especially in the locations of the creases of the arms or creases of the legs, they have food allergies causing it. So there's, you know, for, for all these eczema folks, there's certain treatment, um, skin care guidelines, certain moisturizers, certain soaps we avoid, certain detergents that we avoid. There's certain general skin care guidelines to keep their skin moist and keep their eczema under control, but a lot of times that isn't enough. And so we end up having to give various strength steroid creams to help control the eczema. And typically when people need to have these various strength steroid creams to control the eczema, it becomes important to find out if you have food allergies causing it. And in fact, about a third of the cases of these atopic dermatitis patients have food allergies causing it. So if you can identify the food that they're allergic to and avoid the food, you don't have to play this eczema game with all the steroid creams that you would otherwise need. So people tend to outgrow the food allergies and the eczema by about the time they're age uh, five. It, it, very few people take that to adulthood. The notable exceptions is peanut and shellfish, where people can develop those allergies later on in life. And often 80% of folks who, don't, who have peanut allergy or tree nut allergy and shellfish allergy actually don't outgrow it. Whereas all the other foods like milk, egg, wheat, soy, they tend to, out, 80% of those outgrow it by the time they're five. And very few people take it to adulthood. So as we lose all of this, we get exposure to multiple seasons, springs and falls. And with that exposure comes the ability for us to develop allergies, not so much in the skin, not so much in the GI tract, but in inhaling areas such as your nose, your eyes, your ears, and your chest. So we kind of go through each of those areas and kind of talk about what happens and when you might want to come in. So as far as the nose, Everybody's familiar with hay fever and allergic rhinitis. And, you know, people typically have sneezing or runny nose and runny nose or drainage down the back of the throat that may lead to coughing or sore throat or hoarseness. And typically we can take antihistamines for that. Claritin, Allegra, Zyrtec, you've heard of many of those. And if you just need those episodically and it works for you, that's probably all that you need to do. But we have a lot of our patients that isn't enough. Or... Their nasal inflammation leads to air not getting into their sinuses. They form a vacuum in their sinus cavity. And they end up with sinus pressure headaches. Mm -hmm. And if they have sinus pressure headaches more than once a week, then we need to do something different. Or if their inflammation their nose blocks off their sinuses and ends up with sinus infections, and that occurs more than three or four times a year, then we typically need to do something more. So what we can do with these folks is we can put them on preventative nasal sprays that will help prevent the inflammation in their nose and keep their nasal symptoms under control and lessen their chances of having sinus headaches or sinus infections. So from a nasal perspective, as needed antihistamines work for you, you don't need it a lot, you don't have sinus headaches, you don't have sinus infections, 
I don't need us yet. You start getting incapacitating nasal symptoms where you're needing daily antihistamine use or you're having headaches more than once a week or you're having sinus infections more than a few times a year, then we can help folks by figuring out what's causing that nasal inflammation and getting rid of it. And just like with the nose, the next uh, next organ system, it can bother your eyes. You've heard of people like around cats getting red, watery, itchy eyes. So there are antihistamine eye drops that you can use. And if that works for you and you need it episodically, that's all you need. But we have people who that's not enough. And when it's not enough and they're miserable with their eye symptoms, then it's a good time to come see us so we can figure out what the problem is and get you on an appropriate treatment plan. The third area that a lot of inhaling allergies bothers, they bother your ears. So there's a eustachian tube, fancy term for a tube that goes from the middle ear to the back of the throat. And when that gets inflamed, your ears get stopped up, much like we go up in the mountains or in an airplane. We have a lot of people that have that on a day-to-day basis. And um, and sometimes that negative, you know, we know to chew gum or swallow or do some various stuff or even try to pop your ears to try to keep that pressure open. I mean, that eustachian tube open. And if you don't equalize the pressure in your ears, oftentimes that negative pressure can draw fluid behind your eardrum and people get fluid behind their ears that end up affecting their hearing. And that fluid can sit there, become stagnant, become infected, just like it did in your sinuses. So it's, it's unusual for adults to get ear infections unless they have this eustachian tube inflammation as opposed to a bunch of kids less than five who get tubes all the time because they can't equalize the pressure themselves and then i guess the last area is down in your chest where allergies can affect and um we have um some people who have problems with wheezing or coughing or shortness of breath or chest tightness. And we call that reactive airway disease where they, where they get some bronchospasm around the bronchial tubes. It could be caused by allergies. It could be caused by exercise. It could be caused by cigarette smoke. It could be caused by bronchitis. Um, and we have inhalers that are called albuterol or bronchodilators that will open you up works within five or 10 minutes of using it. So it's an immediate response. And if all you need is this inhaler periodically it always works we're great but if you get to a point that the inhaler's not working or you're needing it too frequently or you end up needing steroids because the inhaler's not enough or you especially need ER visits or hospitalizations because it's not enough, then what we do is we see these folks, we bring them in, and we can put them on daily preventative medicines that will prevent them from having their problems. So you have quite a few patients that you treat that have all of these symptoms. They're consistently coming in to make sure I need help. Absolutely. And as you said, very few people come in with just one of them, okay? So um, if people have nasal symptoms, they often have eye symptoms. And uh, a large majority of those have chest symptoms, but not all. But the bottom line is once you see all these symptoms coming together, you pretty much know that there's an etiology behind it. And that's what we do is figure out what's causing it and try to fix that for them. Now, what's that next step? Where do allergies Shots go into play. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens is that when people um, are seen by us, we skin test them to find out if they're allergic. And you can 
pretty much guess which patients are going to be allergic because you ask them various questions. So if you find out that when they get around cut grass, they start sneezing or their eyes go crazy, or they get around somebody's uh, dusting or vacuuming and they have a bunch of nasal eye or chest symptoms, or they get around pets like dog and cat, they have problems, or mold or mildew, or they have spring fall worsening. These are folks that typically are allergic. And so we can skin test them, find out if they're allergic. And if they're allergic, then we always try to avoid what it is they're allergic to. And oftentimes with these things, you can't avoid everything. So if you can't avoid them, we get them on whatever medication regimen best controls their symptoms, prevents them from having sinus headaches and sinus infections. And then what happens is, is that if the medications don't work well enough or they don't want to be on medicines regularly, we have the ability through an allergy shot program to cure them of their allergies so they don't need their medications. That's great. And why is it so important to see a board-certified allergist? Board-certified allergists are specifically trained to handle this, these problems. So after we do our, our residency, most people either do either pediatrics or internal medicine residencies, we do a fellowship. It's a two-year fellowship in allergy immunology. I happen to do mine at UT in Memphis, which is what got me here in Knoxville. So you have to do a two-year fellowship, and then what you do is you have to take a test to prove your capable of you know understanding the information and not only that but there's tests that you have to take subsequently to maintain your board certification and uh, continuing medical education so the bottom line is you get somebody that's very well trained not just somebody who might have gone to a weekend course doing it so you know you're getting the best care and you know you're getting somebody who's kept who knew the information has kept up with the information so you can get good results absolutely and where can patients come and see you dr springer well i i'm based here mainly out of the farragut office we all, i also uh Every Tuesday, go to our Maryville office, and we also have an office over at um, uh, North Shore off of Pellissippi. So those are the main areas that I go, but I also have a presence over at Emory Road, have a presence in Morristown. So we, we have clinics all over. So if somebody needs our help, they won't have trouble finding it in a community near them. And we can help. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Springer. I think you've answered all the questions today, and we're so excited to have you back on our show the next time. So thank you all again for listening for another episode of Let's Clear the Air. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast. And remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, our allergy experts are here to clear the air.